This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. And it's an issue that we've talked about for a long time, but it often falls off our radar, and it's something that's getting worse. And we're talking about pollution in the Great Lakes. Specifically, microplastics. That was a hot topic for Crane's Detroit business recently. They did a huge package about this pollution that's going on in the Great Lakes. And here to talk about it now with us is senior editor for Crane's, Chad Livengood. Chad, thank you so much, and welcome to Mishmash. Hey, thanks for having me, Shane and Jake. So, Chad, as I said, uh, this is an issue that's not new, but it's something that we often, you know, we talk about it for a little bit, then it goes away in terms of the public conversation. Talk about why now is the time to really re-up this and what sort of the status is of pollution in the Great Lakes. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of uh, consciousness in the summertime about uh, how clean are our lakes. And so we wanted to have something uh, that kind of uh, came out and published in the in midsummer that focused on that. And and so I talked to uh, Eric Freeman, a uh, longtime freelance journalist, Pulitzer Prize winner and uh, Michigan State University journalism professor about some, some ideas. Uh, we, you know, we talked about the usual land development and pressure around the lakes. And he, he said, what about microplastics? And I said, I haven't seen a single story about microplastics. And, and tell me what microplastics are. Um, and and so it, what, it, what microplastics are, are just plastic trash and waste uh, that gets into the lakes, uh, either through river streams uh, or um, people's uh, people's litter on the beaches. And it's the plastic bag that flies off the beach uh, in Grand Haven and then gets run over by a boat and torn up into 10 pieces. And then it sits in the water and the sun bakes it. And as it bakes that piece of plastic, it, it breaks down into a million pieces um, and particles that uh, are, are too small for the for the naked eye to see up to um, basically five uh, milliliter millimeters. And and so those little pieces, um, sometimes they just float on the surface. Microorganisms actually attach themselves to it because they think that the plastic is food and they attach themselves to it. And then that plastic gets weighted and it sinks to the bottom and it ends up in our sediment. And, and, and from there, we don't really know what happens. Um, there's uh, Eric Freeman must have talked to a half dozen researchers in North America who are researching microplastics on the Great Lakes and their effects. And that's about he's like talked to every one of them, basically. I mean, there's not a lot of people doing a lot of research in this particular area. There is plenty of research about plastics and the effects on humans long term. Uh, we are consuming something along the lines of a credit card's worth of plastic every month uh, in some form. And what Freeman's reporting also really showed here is, is that the research that is being done, there, there's microplastic fibers escaping well, water treatment plants uh, and showing up in municipal water. Um, these fibers could, could be coming from that trash. They also could be coming from wastewater treatment plants that treat uh, wastewater. Uh, there's plastic fibers in a lot of our clothing now. If you have any kind of nylon clothing or, or any kind of other um, synthetic clothing, it has plastic fibers and those fibers come off in, in the washing machine and they go into your, into your storms or into your, uh, your uh, uh, sewage uh, systems and they're not always getting um, uh, taken out. And so then those, those fibers are showing up in fish. They're showing up in birds in the Great Lakes. 
And they're even showing up in beer brewed from water that comes from municipal water sources that draw on uh, one of the Great Lakes. Chad, you've hit on a bunch of different points that was uncovered in the reporting. What would you say is sort of like the big headline that people need to to be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I think the big headline is that there's a lot of unknowns here about what's going on. And, and we probably need to do more research about, about this, for sure. Um, and what are the long-term health effects um, of, of this plastic pollution in our lakes? Um, and, you know, the, you, know, the, you know, the big headline always is uh, we need to do better at uh, keeping it out of the lakes. Um, and, and so, um, and we try to identify some of the sources of that. I mean, the most normal thing is well, we sent a photographer over to St. Joseph and he, you know, hung out on a beach for the afternoon in June. There's plenty, we all know there's plenty of plastic trash that's, that's uh, all left on beaches. Um, I've walked uh, my share of Lake Michigan and Lake Huron beaches. Um, and anybody knows this sort of difference. Lake Michigan has several millions of people who live around it um, in Chicago, Milwaukee, Green Bay, uh, Traverse City, all the other cities along the Michigan side of, 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 the, of the lake. And uh, Lake Huron just doesn't have that kind of population density. Uh, it's hardly anyone lives on the Ontario side of, of, lake, of lake Huron. And so uh, we see more um, uh, trash on Lake Michigan beaches. Uh, that's why there's a lot of efforts to pick that up. Um, and, and, but that's not enough just to pick up trash. And, and I think that maybe the more of the bigger takeaways is, is that plastic as, as a material, there is long-term effects on this of using it as a, as a material for everything. And so one of the, one of the big um, issues that we kind of talk right about here is like this, the use of single use plastic, which is, greatly uh, exploded during the pandemic with all the takeout cartons. Um, and we, we, as part of this package, we, we talked to some of the big um, Michigan and Illinois based consumer brands that make this, these products, they use them in their, in their products, companies like Dart um, uh, Container are based in Mason, Michigan, outside of Lansing. Um, they 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 own a little company called Red Solo Cup, um, and um, and then they have all kinds. If you've ever had basically a styrofoam cup, it, like one out of three of them come from Dart. Um, and Dow Chemical um, makes plastic resins that are used for these products as well. Um, Kraft Heinz based in Chicago. Uh, so we talked to a lot of these companies about what are you doing to reduce your plastics? Because there's a lot of um, shareholder interest out there in this issue now. It's growing uh, and there's and these com- big corporations are starting to respond to it um, and, and starting to make initiatives to try to reduce the amount of plastic that they are actually putting out into, into circulation uh, through, through the various uh, consumer products. This might be the first mishmash interview that's ever gotten a Toby Keith song stuck in my head. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, Chad, but um, <laughs> let's talk about the regulator, the regulatory side of this. Um, you know, for years now, the the state legislature has talked about banning micro beads and things like that in in products, um, and it seems like. 
every time there's there's always sort of like an initial push um, and it doesn't really get very far. But what what are you uh, seeing in terms of any sort of political will to tackle this on the, the regulatory side? So the microbeads have been actually banned at the federal level. Um, so and Canada has done the same thing. Microbeads are used in like shampoos and other types of, uh, of uh, deodorants and, and conditioners. And so those are out. But uh, one of the other uh, one of the things we, we did notice a couple of years ago, um, the legislature passed um, a ban on banning plastic bags. Uh, one of these things that uh, capital reporters like ourselves call the preemptive strike bill, uh, where, where there wasn't actually any city that was doing it. But because San Francisco was doing it, there was a fear that Grand Haven was going to follow suit and, and <laughs> prohibit uh, Meyer from having plastic bags. Uh, of course, we we know the politics of West Michigan. That wasn't probably going to actually happen, um, but the legislature went ahead and did this. And so that's one of the things the advocacy groups that we had, uh, you know, contribute uh, op eds to the to the section said we need to get rid of the ban on bans. That's not uh, that's not really productive. Let let local control reign uh, free again. And of course, there's a lot of talk in the in the Capitol about you know um, a lot of people espouse the view of preferring local control. It doesn't always actually work out that way. Um, <laughs> but at a federal level, uh, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin has some legislation that seeks to create some first of a kind penalties and and uh, regulations on 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 plastic pellets. These are, they're known as, they have a, a cute little name like Nordles. Um, but what they are is just a little plastic piece of, uh, that's the size of a couple of grains of rice. And it's a pellet that is produced by, um, by like a major um, refinery, such as Dow Chemical, um, that then sends it to, um, uh, to a manufacturer who uses that plastic, maybe like dart, uh, to press out a red solo cup. And so uh, there's, there's one after, um, what's happening is, is these pellets are showing up in beaches. Um, these, this, they don't even make it to the manufacturing uh, plant for their actual use. So somewhere they're being spilled, either in the refinery process, the transportation process, moving from trucks. They basically just load these things up by um, uh, by by the by the by the bucket loads and dump them into like dump truck type type facilities, and so um, to transport them. And so that's one of the issues. Uh, researchers have found these things. Um, one of them I talked to said she found them in Presque Isle uh, Park uh, in on the Pennsylvania shore of Lake Erie. Uh, this little um, peninsula that juts out in the Lake Erie. There's no uh, there should be no reason why they would find them in a parking lot um, at, a, at a state park uh, along Lake Erie, but that's where that's they're, they're being found everywhere, and they're and they're not just along the shores; they they get dropped and dumped somewhere in the uh, stormwater sewers or the river systems, and, and there's plenty of river systems that feed into the Great Lakes Basin. Chad, I don't know about all of our listeners, but I'm sure some of them at least feel the way I do when we talk about the environment and pollution, which is sort of this overwhelming feeling and this feeling that like I am one person and I don't know how I can help save the ocean and prevent all this plastic. Aside from just simply like not polluting, what are some things that regular people can do about this plastics issue? Well, I mean, you can start with the uh, the beach cleanups, uh, and I think it has to go beyond beaches. Um, 
we wrote in forum back in April uh, about Michigan's recycling um, problem. And Michigan actually, even though we are one of the pioneers in, uh, in bio deposit laws of our 10 cent deposit law, we actually have one of the worst recycling rates in America. We're, we're less than 20% of our of the materials that are recyclable actually, actually make it into some kind of recycling stream. Um, and that's partly because we have a very disjointed recycling system where we have two systems. We have this one that gives you, uh, that takes a deposit for every can and bottle if it has carbonation in it. Um, and if and if it doesn't, even though it might be the same exact can and bottle, we don't have a deposit for that. And we don't have a real universal recycling system in Michigan. Uh, we, you know, city to city in the suburb in suburban Detroit, uh, you could have uh, single stream uh, recycling bins in one city and not in the next. And and so it's it's very disjointed. Uh, so that might be one area where just. So just keeping things, uh, keeping these kind of plastics and other types of materials out of circulation of either trash or or out of uh, circulation of streets and and uh, and ditches. Um, that may be the first step. Is just and obviously also picking up that, that trash. You know, whether it's on the beach or whether it's on a ditch or Livernois Avenue in Detroit. Um, those 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 places are the the original source um, uh, that I sort of tweeted this week that micro Great Lakes microplastic pollution starts in your nearby ditch. Um, it doesn't necessarily start uh, in the lake. It's not some guy on a boat that just you know all throws throws the plastic bottle out out the uh, out the back end of of his of his bay liner uh, in Lake St. Clair. It it starts in on, on a ditch in Cass County and and it works its way uh, to and like I said those microplastics uh, they, they just break down and that little piece of plastic that that can travel a lot better um, faster um, you know little tiny tiny pieces of plastic can travel a lot faster in water than than say your you know your average Coke bottle. Before we wrap up, Chad, I wanted to ask you about an image that you have been circulating on your own social media, and that's part of uh, Crane's Detroit Business's forum on this. Um, obviously, this is audio, so we won't be able to, we can only describe it to our listeners, but I highly recommend people going to check this out. But there is a picture that you shared of a fish that had a plastic ring around the middle of the fish, and it had grown up with this plastic ring stuck to it, and and... It was such an eye-opening image. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you could, for one thing, describe that, but also what the reaction, what reaction you've heard uh, to that image and sort of how that can kind of maybe st stick in people's minds more uh, when they think about the consequences of this issue. Yeah, we got this image uh, from uh, Sherry Mason at Penn State Behrend. Uh She's one of the leading researchers on Great Lakes plastics pollution. And uh, she got the image from, from a fisherman uh, who caught this fish on Mexico Bay in Ontario, which is a little bay on the New York uh, side of, of Lake Ontario. Um, and, and so uh, this, fish, this fish has this a plastic ring it's right through the middle, midsection uh, that is basically looks like it's strangling it, uh, but it somehow lived for many years probably because it was a nice size 
three, four pound looking fish uh, and had this plastic ring that it had somehow gotten caught in at some point. And, um, and it, it, it just kind of drove home a little bit of the imagery that we've seen these images of, of floating plastic islands in the Caribbean and, and the Pacific Ocean and, you know, the, 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 um, the six pack beer ring um, caught, you know, snared around like a, like a seagull or some other type of, of wildlife. Um, but we haven't, we haven't really seen this kind of imagery of the Great Lakes. And um, this picture was 10 years old. Um, uh, it's in our, and just you know, be clear. Not every fish uh, has these kind of deformities um, from from man-made uh, plastics, but um, but there's probably more out there that we know we know of. Oh, and we're not, you know, we have really no idea actually in general. Um, and and so it's just it. And then the the other part of this research is out there is that that they will, you know, you the researchers cut open fish every day and they find plastic particles in their bellies in in their digestive systems uh that's you know are there for some period of time and again we don't really know what the what the effect of this i, I saw a mixed reaction i haven't i mean it, that picture didn't go exactly viral or anything but we thought i thought it was worth like kind of putting it out there it was it was part of the story it was part of the um uh, part of the art presentation in print uh for cranes detroit and crane chicago and um it just it's really um, an image that you will you will have a hard time not not forgetting. Chad Livengood is senior editor at Cranes Detroit Business. Thank you so much for joining us here on Mishmash. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right, that's all for Mishmash. I'm Jake Neer. and I'm Shayna Roth. Thanks for listening.